Welcome, friends, to Becoming Human, the podcast that kind of explores, you know, everything. And we are going to continue a conversation that we began on the last episode. And last time we started asking, what is community? It's this word we use all the time, but we don't really consider what it is. And that might contribute to our failure to execute community. And uh, we've been kind of exploring that community is kind of like a family. You know, a family is a microcosm of these relational interactions that we have with lots of different people. And we kind of, and I, I mean, I kind of landed on, on the idea that community is life held in common that transcends the individual. There's this collective belonging where all of you and all of them exist in proximity with shared history or memory and shared commitment or permanence and with the shared corporate mutual vision and process that kind of holds the identity of the group together. But the real problem, the real problem with community is making that work in real time. You know, philosophy and ethics are dance partners, but talking about community and doing it are different. So how do we move these ideas from our head to our hands? And how do we enact them in the real messes of our daily life with other people? And so on this episode, we're going to we're going to explore some roadblocks to community. And then we want to give a few observations for what this should look like and what we can do with this very necessary yet difficult part of reality. Because when it comes down to it, just being able to keep the thing going on a daily basis, I mean, that's that's about the most we can do. Um, and of course, I want to share kind of my opinions, you know, the, that whole agrarian contrariness of mine, uh, which again is going to sound better than the reality of actually doing this. So I'm here with Dr. Ashley Pryor Geiger from the University of Toledo and Amy Brody from the farmhouse. And I want us to start with this issue of roadblocks because the ideal idea here would be that, you know, we get all of the people we like, we move to an island somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and we create the perfect new world without the messiness. And you immediately are probably like, yeah, but eventually, you know, people are people and you're still going to end up with the same thing. Yeah, probably true. But moreover, we can't do that. We're, we're kind of stuck where we are. In last episode, we talked a, a bit about, you know, one of those four ingredients, proximity. It requires place. Where you are is important to this conversation. And so when you're talking about community, there's also this geography involved. Wherever you are, that's going to maintain your reality of community. You know, you talk about this of, you know, I'm in the such and such community. And so there is something about place there. And one of the things I think about with this is that if proximity is one of them, Mm -hmm. then you can't choose your community, actually. Mm -hmm. You you can't choose your parents, at least if we're staying in the... In a certain tradition, right? With, without but, reincarnation, right? Well, no. Now we're going to open up that. <laughs> but let's uh, just let's just stipulate that you can't choose your parents and you can't yeah. choose your community. 
Well, you can't choose your neighbors. I mean, you can pick where you live. Right. But in the end, there's going to be other people who also get to pick where they live. Mm -hmm. And you can't decide who's in and out of it. What I mean by you can't choose your neighbors is where you live, there are people who live there that are now part of your community, Mm -hmm. at least part of that shared space, that common life, that common economy. You can't pick and choose who's in and out of that. Mm -hmm. And when we do affinity-based community, we are picking and choosing. Like, right. you're in, you're out. We don't like you, so go on. It's the same way you, you can't pick who the citizens of your country are. Mm-hmm. It, it is what it is. Here we are. Um, and, and so within that, assuming then you know, there's going to be conflict with those neighbors that you can't choose, um, it requires a certain intention mm-hmm. for how you're going to participate in that. And... Uh, like one would be the intention of like being in that shared space with that shared history, with that shared permanence, with that shared vision. Um, are you entering into every space with your neighbors collaboratively? Mm-hmm. So do you see yourself, and this is where I think we can start pulling from Stoicism and Aristotle, do you see yourself as mutually nurturing one another? That our common life has to embrace the other. Um, the other would be the intention, uh, with, with actual people and preparing yourself within that. So it's not just like, all right, these are my neighbors, but now you're face to face with a neighbor. What's your relationship with that person like? And, uh, if we're just starting from we're in community, whether I want to be or not, Mm-hmm. Am I an antagonist to them? Are they? Or do I see them as an antagonist to me? Mm-hmm. And this is the whole map making mm-hmm. concept. Um, but it, you know, again, I'm stealing that from marriage, right? Mm-hmm. And family systems. I can't mm-hmm. choose my kids. Right. I could choose to have kids, but who my kids are going to be? They're their own person. I can only choose how I'm going to now interact with them. Mm-hmm. So, what's the the environment of our house like? Mm-hmm. Is there collaboration there? And then am I kind of looking at my spouse or my children as, you know, you better agree with me or, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And which also means I have to be willing to change within that process. Uh, so I think, I think that's all uh, interesting and something that would be necessary to bring up here. I'm talking a lot, aren't I? That's a good thing. I'm doing that thing that I do. Um, Interesting to bring up here, though, is we can't assume conflict's bad. Right. Okay, so community is unromantic. And -hmm. if you can acknowledge that, you're going to have a better community than anybody who doesn't acknowledge that. It's first Mm -hmm. step. Right. Like, this is going to suck for all of us. So the next time somebody's like, you know, I'm just looking for community, just get them to go. It's going to be terrible. So are are you willing to do it? And now you're at least prepared mentally. But conflict can be really good it can be transformative well that's what you just went to the place i was going to say but the wonderful thing like for those of us who have had train wrecks of marriages or something is like the outcome can be is inevitably growth um and so conflict of course it's even more wonderful if you can emerge from the conflict with both parties changing and growing that doesn't always happen but there is like the promise and this is gets us back to that idea of the limitations of a Western notion of the individual that somehow seems like autonomous and is impervious to change to this more dialogical thing that you're mapping out 
Tyler and through the map, the conflict maps, where the you know the promise of beginning with a place from community that presupposes conflict that creates a space for that to be um, uh, beneficial for the community itself, but also for these individuals that c comprise the community. Yes. I like that you say presupposes. Mm -hmm. So we know this is going to happen, right? So how are we going to handle when it does? Mm -hmm. And that's what you talk about, being prepared. Um, so I think conflict, like what are the roadblocks to community conflict? Mm -hmm. Not being prepared for conflict, maybe. Because mm -hmm. conflict can be... Well, just it's the air you breathe. Yeah. yeah. Another roadblock, um, I would say, you were talking about the intention you're the intention you bring into those relationships. Um, another roadblock is egocentrism, where we're thinking, nope, this only deals with me. Um, I'll often use the uh, metaphor of when we see every other person in our life as an NPC in a first-person RPG video game. NPCs <laughs> are non-player characters, so they, the, the only role they play is how they serve my story. Huge roadblock to community, also to everything like egocentrism is the bane of existence. It seems like, um, what are some other roadblocks to community? Well, you know, I was, um, this is probably not a, the best answer to that specific question, but another thing that's been floating in my mind again is this <laughs> return to this fourth pillar of place. But I can't help but think that, you know, a successful community also remembers the non-human agents within it. I mean, so much of our, uh, the acute problems that happen in communities are resource-based. Again, returning to oikos, which is just the word where we get economy from, yeah. which meant the home. But it's just the idea, how do we handle finite resources in a responsible way? And we talk about the commons of, or we should be talking about the, the true commons, which is air and water, our yeah. food, our soil, um, and how to also include that member of our community. So we do have this pernicious history in the West of forgetting this really, these important community members. Um, so again, I sidestep your question. I can go back to it, oh, but no. I just wanted to recall that those community members well, one too. Of the, <laughs> one of the other roadblocks I was going to bring up with ethnocentrism, mm -hmm. which uh, we've talked about with like the pack mentality, this tribalism of, of we just uh, kind of vacuum ourselves into one another and anything outside of that, this fear of the unknown keeps mm -hmm. us separated. But not only ethnocentrism toward other people, mm -hmm. but you're talking about ethnocentrism toward other things mm -hmm. that are also we're, we're interdependent with, um, which another plug, there's a bunch of ecology. <laughs> too. Uh, so, but that's, that's a really good point. Um, and if, okay, so if those are the, the, the roadblocks, the things in the way, some of them, uh, that's not a comprehensive list. What should healthy engagement look like for for community to happen? Um, in I mean, to be simple, just be like handle conflict well. Yep, that's that's a good one. Um, but if we were to break that down further, um, may, so maybe a couple observations to to end. Maybe we have some dialogue mm -hmm. on yep. these. 
Um, and these are kind of things that I've, I've kind of been writing, look, thinking about since our conversation began. Um, in order for community to work, you need a bond and you need to be inclusive. So bond would be potentially you could be the pack, right? So how can you have a bond, you know, with proximity, uh, shared history, permanence, shared vision that also can transcend itself as a community and include those around it so that it keeps happening. It keeps moving past itself to include more and more and more. Um, if, if a community, a group of people is too, uh, if they put walls up, then they'll never actually be able to be in, in common life and ordered life with everyone around them. Um, but if you don't have a bond, then it's just a bunch of individuals kind of going about things the way that they want. And this is actually a little bit of a critique on uh, conservatism, conservatism and liberalism, where in liberalism, it's all about the individual, right? I, I'm the only one who matters here. Uh, anything goes uh, uh, that I want to pursue, where the, the more conservative side is, no, we need to really restrict this. We have this thing. We need to keep it safe. And both of those are going to neglect something, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I'm thinking about the messy middle. I know Amy will have some things to share, too, because I've heard her and talk about this in so many interesting ways. But, you know, it it's um, I, I'm not sure that there's going to be any kind of precise formula, because if there we had a precise formula to this, like we would hope that we would have discovered it, we'd be using it, we wouldn't have these incredibly polarizing events going on. I, I think I again, I like that idea of map making, I can just talk about really concretely what I do in my community engagement class, like, before it's a project based class, um, where students are working in teams to help a local nonprofit. This semester, actually, we're working with a farmhouse, which is really fun. But the first part of the class is always to, again, make explicit some of the things we've been talking about. So you are going to be working in teams, i.e. you're in a mini community together. Expect conflict. So the first two weeks, I want you all to like share your schedules. I want you to talk about what your inventory of gifts and skills are and places also that you feel like you could benefit from some growth. And that together, you know, by the end of like, my, my class is very compressed. So by the end of week two, this information should be shared and you're going to make up a provisional plan for the next week workflow. And then at the end of that week, you're going to report and assess how did it go? So I would just say here, it is building into the process. You know, um, you're going to grow, you're going to change because communities aren't static. It, successful ones aren't. Because the ones that that are truly very, let's say, conservative, we don't even have to talk about it in terms of a particular politics, but just that you're you're trying to preserve desperately the the or plan or the original idea of something. Um, those are the fragile communities that will die off. So, how do you create resilient communities? I think is through knowing it's going to be a process, knowing change is inevitable, knowing part of the motor of change will be 
the conflicts because we all are bringing different gifts, skills, conflicts, problems <laughs> to the table. And so the, the greatest gift to the community is the ability to, to clear space for these messy middles that are going to involve give and take. And to harken back to use the term um, egos, you know, the, the danger to a community are the ideologues, the, the narcissists, and the egomaniacs, right? So these people who are unable to self, it's, it's a failure to be able to reflect on oneself um, and behaviors um, in a process. So, so a lot of my, the first weeks is just about saying, yeah, you know, um, it's not going to serve you well if you hold yourself as a static person. So we're going to engage in growth mindset, and that's going to be unpleasant at, at, at moments, potentially, or at least it's going to be uncomfortable. But if you can do this, you're going to, you're going to grow yeah. in a way you can't know. Yeah. I mean, you outside. may need to start with that idea of the individual so that you can examine yourself and see where your weaknesses may lie. But I think a lot of times about how, um, we'll talk about how a lot of times in a community, we're like, yes, we like this community. We want it to be a certain way as long as it includes us. And now that line is closed. And so, um, you know, it, it's like now once the community is what we prefer, then that's, that's where we want it to stop. And it's a very hard thing to be able to be mature enough to find that ability within yourself to say, I am going to be willing to examine why I feel that way and then how can I bring that person in, see the value that they're going to bring to the community so that it transcends what I prefer, what I want to make this a better thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes what I see with these more tribal communities, though, is in some ways they can kind of strengthen themselves by being tribal. So there's like there's this us and them thinking, mm -hmm. which is an unfortunate result of community. So we want community, but what we don't want is that tribalization mm -hmm. where it's like now we have an ideology. We're going to be included, you know, inclusive or exclusive with only those people who agree with us belonging to it. And it's like almost this challenge of having those them people out there. How can we turn that into an us and us kind of thinking where it's like, yeah, we may have our ideas. We don't have to give those ideals up. You don't mm -hmm. have to give your core values up to recognize that there's value in the other person, too. A lot of times it's not a matter of, of is this a bad value versus good values. It's a matter of some we each have different. We have the same core good values. Mm -hmm. We're just expressing them in different ways. Mm -hmm. Which weirdly brings us to the, the very beginning of what we we're ta talking about, like the value of trying to define things, even if we can't hold on to a one core idea, but just to explore what are those shared values? Mm -hmm. like we might be expressing them differently, but are there some commonalities underneath them? I mean, right. to me, one of the most distressing aspects of today's American society, but I think this extends to many parts of the world, in this polarization process, we just, and, and particularly like hanging on to like a very limited sense of identity. We mm -hmm. miss the threads, however fragile, of commonalities that um, can, can unite us at least to get some stuff done. Right. Like to get some just good things that are going to benefit all of us. Absolutely. Done. As human beings, we know we have those commonalities. I mean, you just cannot be human and not have commonalities with other humans. You yeah. just have to figure out what they are. Mm -hmm.
and that's kind of where phenomenology is helpful too. Of and no human being is going to be exactly the same. So you have that balance. But this this is where I think process, you know, partly in like, hey, there's no answer here that we're uncovering like a sculpture. Uh, but process is important to understand the the, the relational level too. Um, when you say that you can't be static as a community. So you, you kind of have this like, yep, there needs to be a bond, those commonalities. That bond also has to be able to continue to move and include as it goes. But another interesting dynamic in, in relationships is that, uh, again, we compare this to a family system. As soon as you add a member, it doesn't just, they're not just added, they actually change the whole mm-hmm. ecosystem of, of this, the space. So like when a couple has a child, it doesn't just, hey, we've added a child, their entire family is different, including them as people and their marriage and their uh, role as parent now. Um, and so anytime somebody dies, somebody's born, somebody moves, that actually changes the whole thing and you have to adjust again mm-hmm. and you have to figure it out again. So we're constantly in this process uh, and, and even even like take out the physical move, moving, when somebody grows a little bit, that changes mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And so can we... Can we have that bond? Can we transcend and include? But then can we be curious? Can we embrace the process? Can we see ourselves as moving forward or, or expanding? Um, and, and you know, questions and curiosity, that's that's the center of that. Mm-hmm. And, and as the practical question is, do we nurture that in our communities? Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's another angle of that. Big thing for me, so I want to play my my agrarian role hand okay, a little bit, yeah. is the the collective thing and interdependence. We brought this up with ecology just a little bit ago. Um, so if I had to go like, what's the one thing necessary for community? It's interdependence amongst mm-hmm. peoples and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that's physical. Uh, Wendell Berry talks about that... Uh, the art of neighborliness requires doing necessary things for each other. There's something physical about that. You know, are we, are we involved in, in the physical spaces with each other, but also we doing physical things that involve the other. But then there's also that mental part of interdependence, how you view one another. Um, if we're making this practical, <clears throat> vulnerability is the thing that I have, that's how, how are you going to navigate conflict? How are you going to navigate growth? Um, you're going to navigate the uncertainty of the world. When, when multiple members are vulnerable, they have that kind of trust mm-hmm. and vulnerability being where you can make yourself, you, you can hand your power over to another, make yourself powerless, knowing that they will not use that to destroy you. And both parts are necessary because mm-hmm. sometimes boundaries are really mm-hmm. required. Um, but that kind of vulnerability, that's what's going to allow us to be malleable mm-hmm. as we move throughout the relationships in the real problems and pragmatic issues that come up when you're dealing with other people. So you can't avoid this interdependence with others. It's it's part of your life. You're going to live and die, thrive, or be destroyed together. Um, so how are you going to enact that and live into that collective interdependence with other people? And again, what I brought up with the NPCs, mm-hmm. worst thing you can do, um, I am 
Ashley, I'm going to pause for a second. I'm sure that you can articulate uh, Martin Buber's uh, oh. <laughs> I and thou better than I can. No, you give a shot. Okay. I, I, yeah, you but do it. Go ahead. This is, if he, he was articulating community, and, and uh, you can go read this very short work, I and thou. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I just, it's been a while. So. Oh, I wasn't saying you, Ashley. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, for our listeners today, okay. <laughs> I would encourage you to read it. Uh, but. The, the the idea is that we see ourselves as I and we mm-hmm. see the other as as also an I, but they're a you. What we tend to do is see ourselves as I and see others as an it, mm-hmm. as an object to us. And we need to see them as fellow subjects. So when we enact that kind of relational uh, uh, aptitude toward another person and we we treat ourselves with that same kind of perspective that we are a fellow subject like these folks uh that's it's it's a really terrible answer but in considering the messiness of it that's Mm -hmm. that's the way forward i think is to do that um well can i make a can i um are you gonna i'm gonna blow it up a little bit by talking about just very quickly very quickly um since you evoked boober um and i think that's very helpful but there is another um, theologian, philosopher, Emmanuel Levinas, who expands beyond like the I-thou relationship to talk about um, the thou is, or, or you, as God. But in the most expansive notion, which mm-hmm. would be sort of inclusive community, but who is inscrutable and unknowable. And that's even harder than to, I think, more challenging and demanding t- than to think in the conventional I, you, like, so do unto others as you would have them do sure. unto you. Because the you is something that somehow encompasses all of this, is is inscrutable. It's almost like we've been talking about how it can be useful to have a definition that you can never arrive at and and build into that process right like that you can never get there but it's useful to to know where you're trying to go even if you have to revise it continuously so i don't know if that's helpful or not but i was couldn't and help actually will be it. making an appearance on the bible archives <laughs> so now we'll talk about this dense theological opportunity she just proposed uh, but there's something about that hey, there's a transcendent source here that makes, you know, we've talked about like the givenness of life mm-hmm. and this person is also a share in the gift and this thing is also a share in the gift. Um, and that leads to like empathy and seeing ourselves in the other mm-hmm. and seeing the divine in the other. And that's all, I mean, nothing we've said so far today is a new idea. Right. Like uh, hundreds and thousands of years of people saying this exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And we still haven't been able to do it well. Yeah. And, you know, it's almost like we just constantly need these reminders. Mm-hmm. Because one, we're saying community is inevitable. It's a part of being human. And we really suck at it. So we just like, we need these reminders of like, oh yeah, I do need to consider like being nice to people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I need reminded of that, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think it's also helpful to see how important that is. Mm-hmm. I wonder if our culture's lost that Be- because we move around all the time and we can start over, or we can find something that suits us. Every, every corner of the world where if you grew up in a tribe your entire life, it was like, you better figure this out because this is all you've got. Now it's not all we've got. 
or so maybe we're contradicting things that we've already talked about is when we recognize that communities are these living organisms yeah. of constant change that we just yes we often do it badly but we also get it right at these precious moments mm. and so like it's also like i just think about that i lucked into this wonderful community here yeah. you know and that and there's there's successful moments of it and so of course we all want the permanently wonderful community that endures for a really long time yeah. but it's we are just in this yeah, to return to your nesting babushka yeah babushkas that you know we we risk our, the, 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 the good in the community when we only want that. It's very human to just want more of the, like we're addicts for the good, right? Yeah. Um, but, mm. but our world is full of examples, sometimes remnants of those precious moments where community was firing on all, I'm not very good with cars. Like I was gonna, what is it, firing on all cylinders? cylinders? Thank you, <laughs> I should avoid car metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> but so I would just balance it out that way. It's a fun, it, it's, it's a, a funny thing that we do. Um, but we also know, I, I don't know. I, I look back and I see every generation, like when I think I'm going to return to the Greeks one more time, but Aristophanes wrote a play about the, the Lysistrata that could just be this moment right now and, 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 and intergenerational conflicts. And so the the scenery looks different, but these are these moments that recur all the time. Um, so every generation has had more or less, as you said, this conversation, and we do hit on moments of um, of the sort of momentary beauty of community, and then there are lots of bumps in between. And so it's just like, how do we create the conditions so there can be a few more of those wonderful moments? I don't know. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and it's the pragmatism of that's probably the best we can do. Um, I did want to make one comment about community engagement in general mm. um, and the importance of acknowledging context for wherever you are, whether it's you figuring out how to uh, engage with these relationships that are messy um, or just how to kind of be in the like physical community and place and space that you are. Uh, understanding that each space and place is always different and understanding that context is going to implicate what you should do. You know, there's no franchise of community. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that, in my opinion, is by making sure that you give voice to everyone who is present within that. And like when you bring up ecology, that mm -hmm. is part of that too. Um, and then to... Does, is everybody seen? So is everybody seen and is everybody heard? Um, and again, relate this down to your family, right? Is everybody seen? Is everybody heard? That's the only way you're going to truly be able to fully engage with the whole context that you're working with or you're part of. Um, I also meant to add a long time ago, like an hour ago into this conversation, <laughs> uh, <laughs> relational dialectics is a good way to understand some of this as well, when we're talking about how messy this is. Mm -hmm. One of the helpful ways to understand why that's the case is because when you have um, a group, whether that's family, community, however you wanna say it, you have the person who is their own person, you have the other person who is their own person, 
and then, but each of them is also their own person together. So best way to do it is a marriage. You have one spouse, you have the other spouse, and then you have what that, those spouses are together mm-hmm. and that's their own thing. And so one of the reasons we have all of these conflicts is we're constantly rubbing up with this identity crisis where we're our own and yet we're not. So uh, that causes a lot of this messiness, I think. I meant to say that a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you want to add? Mm. Well, I mean, it's just been, it's been a really fun getting to talk through this with you all. And um, it, you know, it just yeah. again strikes me that sort of takeaways that I have from this is that, you know, trying to define terms can be really useful as long as we know that to, to, to create baseline vocabularies, as long as we know that we will likely never arrive at that definition or that, that goal but that's okay, and that we can be, and and we should be open to revising it. The part of um, creating a successful community seems to have everything to do with planning for conflict mm-hmm. and seeing it as actually this opportunity for growth. That is part of the condition for keeping a community healthy as a living organism. That it's likely that if you try to create a static community um, that's closed off to uh, all other things, I couldn't help but think about germ theory and the whole thing. It's just like I'm, I'm feeding goats right now and introducing food slightly. And, you know, you want, or, or with children, like I was the kind of mother who would, if the binky fell on the floor, it's like, oh, maybe this is an opportunity. It's just on the floor for a second. So, like, this will help my baby's resistance a little bit, you know. You don't want to do anything super scary, but, you know, just, like, to introduce for the health of an organism, you know, to build natural resistance. And I think, likewise, as the more we think about this community as a living thing where conflict is an important organelle <clears throat> in the system, mm-hmm. that, that that's really valuable. And then we talked about just all sorts of, different theories around community so um and the pillars we we still have a, de- a wonderful debate about whether um a physical place with land let's say is a land a necessary component of community um so yeah good conversation very <laughs> i had a a, a quick illustration to use that i thought was interesting a friend of mine was telling me the other day that um she had read somewhere that they tried to grow trees in, micro commu- in microgravity and it doesn't work because they can't stand upright. Trees need to have that wind pushing on them all the time in order to grow upright and to be straight and mm-hmm. to be strong inside. And, and I said, as human beings, it's the same with us. We have the constructions of gravity and atmosphere upon us that makes our bones strong so that we can stand and become a shape like a human. And I think, you know, if you want to use illustration, then possibly that's the way to look mm-hmm. at a community as well. But, you know, we talk about the conflict see it maybe as more of the challenges that help us to become stronger, develop the sturdy roots that we need. So, Yeah, and uh, it's I love that in going, mm-hmm. the community is this thing that you can't live without and the thing that you're going to want to wish you could do without. 
but you need it. Um, I'll be doing some episodes on loneliness down the road here, which gets into a little bit of, of that experience. Um, the, some of the human problems between one another. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not at some point include the agrarian definition of mm, community. Please. So can I, mm-hmm. can I share that? Okay. So this is a, mostly coming from Wendell Berry, well, Wendell Berry, who I talk about often, but um, he brings up how we live in a culture of where we kind of idolize hyper-individualism within globalization, right? That's, that's our society at this point. And so he, he has essay upon essay where he, he talks about community. So this is not anything, and it's also not his singular definition. He uses different pictures all the time to describe this. But he, he does make a big case like the survival of the human uh, the humanity project is going to be determined by how we do community. How do we transcend ourselves for the good of the whole? And he brings up, you can only do that for what you know about. Right, so you can only love what you care about. You can only care about what you know, and uh, so this is what he says: the difference between public and private. In between that, you have community, which he says, people together in proximity. That's an agrarian thing. Let's mm-hmm. not get caught up there. In proximity <laughs> with common interest, common vision, common understanding, living dependently together in a place and wishing for all of it, every part, to continue. Community is locally understood interdependence of local people with a local culture, economy, and nature where all members are important and are held together by loyalty and affection where they've assumed responsibility and cooperation for the good of the whole. And he really emphasizes there has to be this arrangement of memory and loyalty and affection and responsibility and care and love. And it's like this dance between everybody involved that's constantly moving. Um, But can we be vulnerable? Can we be honest? Can we be transparent? Can we be dependent on our lives with one another? And I I have always looked at that and goes, that's the way to move through how complicated and messy and difficult and annoying people are, (laughs) is just to take on that kind kind of, uh, of approach. And if we have that, that arrangement and responsibility with one another, I think it makes it easier to navigate all the stuff that comes up in this unavoidable part of human life uh, called community. Well, it sure sounds nice. (laughs) Yeah. So does marriage. That's the reality of it, I think. So um, hopefully, hopefully y'all learn something. Uh, and hopefully for anybody who actually listened this long that this was beneficial as beneficial to you as I think it was to all of us sitting here Uh, so thank you so much for joining us we'll see you next time